Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Let me just say, after Vera distorting the belt to proclaim me the real world champion, I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Captain Lou Extravaganza. We are live here on the Captain Lou Sports Network on YouTube. We invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, you can take a look back at some of our great episodes, some of our great interviews we've had in the past, a uh, little bit of everything that we've done here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza and on the Captain Lou Sports Network. So we invite you to be a part of that by subscribing to our YouTube channel. It is Wednesday, June the 21st, 2023. Hope everybody's having a great morning. This is a Pro Wrestling Wednesday, we like to call it. We're going to get back into the pro wrestling groove. As those of you that know me know that I've, uh, I've that's kind of my uh, guilty pleasure, something that I've really enjoyed for, oh gosh, I've told stories for over 50 years now, I've been a pro wrestling fan, and uh, we've had some great guests along the line in the pro wrestling world, and we've got another fantastic one here. I had an opportunity to talk with Sean Oliver. He is the host of the Click This podcast on YouTube. He hosts that along with Kevin Nash. Um, he's also a uh, best-selling New York Times author. Uh, he has a new book coming up next month, July the 25th, called Todd is God. Um, and that's talking about the uh, world of ECW. And he's also written a lot of other great wrestling books. You can look at those and order those at uh, SeanOliverBooks.com. So we had a chance to talk to him last Friday. And I'm going to play that interview with you here momentarily. So for those of you who like pro wrestling, Wednesdays is going to be your day here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza. We're going to devote our Wednesdays to uh, pro wrestling Wednesday. Get back into the groove with that. We've got... Uh, 
the Money in the Bank pay-per-view coming up in about nine days, I believe it is, or 10 days. We'll talk more in depth about that next week. But uh, a chance to kind of relive some uh, past days in pro wrestling uh, with Sean Oliver talking about the legacy of the Iron Sheik. He's got a couple of great stories. Uh, his first uh, comeuppance in pro wrestling or when he got into it, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Ric Flair. You name it, it's in this interview. and Can't wait to bring it to you here. We'll do that momentarily. want to remind everybody that we are powered up by Belly Up Sports. Uh, check out our website, uh, bellyupsports.com. We've got a great, great array of uh, podcasters, great shows lined up each and every week. And uh, I invite you to check that out at bellyupsports.com, along with our great group of writers that we have with the latest stories on all the things going on, including the upcoming NBA draft, which is tomorrow. So uh, everything you want to know about that, make sure you check out bellyupsports.com. We're brought to you today, as always, by maulerbros.com. If you want to look good on the golf course and you want to feel good, Look no further than MahlerBros.com. They got the best uh, selection of uh, polo shirts, T-shirts, you name it. We got cool swag there as well. And as I always say, when you look good, you feel good. You feel good, you'll play good, or you'll play better anyways. That is MahlerBros.com. Make sure you use the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off of your purchase. As you can see on the bottom of the screen, MahlerBros.com. You'll grab what you need there. You'll look good. When you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, it'll help you play good. That's MahlerBros.com. Make sure you use the promo code BELLYUP. And also, we're brought to you by Javi Coffee, the best in instant coffee around. It's better than pods. It tastes better than gourmet coffee. Um, you take one or two teaspoons or whatever it is, however strong you want it, iced coffee or hot coffee. And they've got uh, some of the flavors, including regular decaf, salted caramel, uh, French vanilla, that's my favorite. That's javicoffee.com and use the promo code Captain Lou for 15% off of your purchase. That is javicoffee.com. Well, as as promised, uh, we had an opportunity on Friday to uh, sit down and talk to uh, a uh, person behind the scenes in pro wrestling. He's been working with the pro wrestlers for a lot of years. He's written some great books, as we said at the top of the show. Including out in July. It's called Todd is God, a uh, story behind the ECW franchise back in the 90s. Uh, Sean Oliver, also the host of uh, the Click This podcast here uh, or on uh, YouTube as well with Kevin Nash. Let's take a listen to that interview we had last Friday as uh, Sean sat down with us and we talked a little bit about uh, his uh, world in the, or his background in the pro wrestling world. I hope you'll enjoy it. Well, as promised, we're joined here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza by Sean Oliver. He's the host of the Click This podcast on YouTube, along with Kevin Nash. And, of course, you can look him up at SeanOliverBooks.com. And he's also on Twitter uh, on Twitter at Kayfabe Sean. Hey, Sean, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. I'm here. I, uh, for a moment, thought that the Captain Lou Extravaganza, Lou Albano, would be contacted from beyond the grave, but I see no Ouija board, uh, no psychic medium next to you. So I, I, so I'm assuming you are Captain Lou. That's, that's me. me. Yeah, that's me. That's me. I got the name in 1983, um, my freshman year at Central Michigan, looking for a radio name because my last name was kind of hard to pr to pronounce. 
And uh, one of my professors uh, said I was a wrestling fan, so go with Captain Lou. And uh, so, you know what? I'm going to roll with it. Yeah, it's, it's, if you don't have to put any rubber bands in your face or anything, it's <laughs> that's much better. Well I, 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 well, I appreciate you coming on the show today, tonight, today, rather. Uh, one of the reasons, or one of several reasons I wanted to have you on the show was to talk wrestling back in the day with the passing of the Iron Sheik uh, before that. And uh, when did you first get interested in pro wrestling? And uh, what was your first live event you ever went to? The first time I saw pro wrestling on a television set, it was a, um, a large black and white set at my friend Timmy's house. And Timmy had uh, three older brothers, or four older brothers. So we were six or whatever, but they were... 16 17 and they had wrestling i grew up in new jersey so in the northeast we had vince mcmahon's wwwf product at the time vince mcmahon senior um and i saw on this giant black and white set these guys beating each other up and throwing each other around the ring which you know gets your attention as a kid but a little like boxing maybe but then superstar billy graham took the microphone and did a promo in his in a feather boa and 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 looked through the lens and and i was like wow these people these are the people beating each other up these people exist so it was captivating and so from then on i was hooked by i guess what a six or seven year old today who goes and watches iron man or or captain america the draw there what became the draw for kids my age at that time, 70s, 80s, and you had real-life superheroes. Um, the line was blurred as to whether, like, I knew Batman was fake and there was an actor, but, you know, they tried to protect this part of the business. And um, so it, it was spellbinding. And then going to see them live, which you mentioned, yeah. was a whole other level because... This, my stature at age, I could tell you my first event was, um, I think, October of 1981. It was Bruno San Martino's retirement match. Oh, wow. And the, in the first wrestling card held in the then new Brendan Byrne Arena, which became the Meadowlands Arena, um, which was then the IZOD Center, which is defunct now. But um, so they brought the first wrestling card there, and it was going to be Bruno animal steel and seeing now these real life superheroes that i saw on television now in person and the sheer size um of these goliaths just fed further into that um that fascination then even more so as you get older and get a little smarter and you know that there's something going on in those rings that are not quite what they appear to be that then becomes a whole other thing because back then no one's sitting on you know uh, the Bill, jimmy kimmel's couch talking about their character in wwe it was you know these these we knew these people couldn't be dastardly heels at home but um just the fascination of how it was all put together and were they really friends and that led to a whole other level of fascination it was it was the perfect elixir the perfect combination of chemicals to 
Well, that's what kind of did it for me, too. Yeah, I remember what my first match was, 1972 in Marquette, Michigan. Yeah. So a Pompero Furbo versus the Sheik. You saw the Sheik, didn't you? No. No, I saw I Superstar Billy Graham. No, I, I saw Superstar Billy Graham, though. It's ironic that that was your first match. He was in a tag match against the Crusher and Ivan Putsky. And I, what I remember that Sean was that Ivan Putsky was 300 pounds at the time. And before he could, before he slimmed up and, uh, you know, he was out there throwing Hershey chocolate bars into the audience. And for a seven-year-old kid, that uh, was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I was mesmerized. I was mesmerized and I was hooked. Over as a wrestler, go a bunch of kids in the crowd, go give them chocolate. Today you'd be, you'd be sued because some kid would have an allergy to cocoa and you'd be in, in court the next week. When you saw your first match in 81, that was about uh, just about when the Sheik was, uh, he was, I think, in Georgia wrestling at the time. Then he went to the WWE and, of course, uh, uh, won over Bob Backlund and then lost to Hogan and pretty much started Hulkamania, which, uh, you know, was a breakthrough in uh, pro wrestling at the time. Yeah, um, the Iron Sheik, of which you mentioned, <clears throat> when the, the ethnic heel was still something you could do, um, you know, uh, the uh, I Iranian hostage situation and, you know, certainly uh, came up north at the right time for that transfer of power out of Bob Backlund and to Hulk Hogan. Um, a very different... So now, so Bob Backlund is the <clears throat> credible amateur wrestler turn pro okay so this this is this is an era where most skills were revered in the pro wrestling ring if you had that amateur background you know and people still half-heartedly believed what was going on in the ring you had that credibility so a guy like bob Backlund, uh the ultimate baby face squeaky clean howdy doody amateur background champion for six years um now vince mcmahon jr the business transfers to Junior, who senses there's something happening here in the big 80s. Um, everything's different. And uh, with the advent of cable television, and this, be this went from the money being drawn in the arenas, the local television one-hour show a week used just to draw you into the live arena where they can have 20,000 people drop however much money, now the money-making vehicle is going to be television. So the, the look and who could come across the screen, that, that magnetism becomes more important. Hulk Hogan is on the heels of his appearance in Rocky III in 1982. So um, Vince goes all in and poaches Hulk Hogan from the Minnesota Territory, and he becomes the flagship presence in what was the WWF at the time um, for years. And the prototypical 1980s superhero, time when cartoons like He-Man are popular, and it was beyond just superpowers, you had to look like a jacked monster. Um, that's what our superheroes became. So Hogan was perfect. 
Do you do you think there was any truth to the rumor? I don't know if it was a rumor or not. Greg Gagne refutes it, but that Vern Gagne offered the Sheik a hundred thousand dollars to legitimately break Hulk Hogan's leg is something that uh, Kaz told me, Sheik told me, um, himself. um, The reason for this would have been Hogan abandoning the uh, Vern Gagne's AWA, kind of leaving him high and dry, to go to the WWF, Mm -hmm. making matters more complicated i mean wrestlers left territories all the time vince mcmahon was making it very clear to the smaller territorial promoters that uh he wanted to take their territory and if he they wouldn't um surrender or partner um he would just take all the talent by waving the almighty dollar so that's why Vern would have made an offer like that uh to the Sheik, to do that to Hogan in a ring, in a WF ring, now the night he was supposed to get the title. It's one of those things that's become, it's become accepted folklore. Um, Sheiky told me himself, I wasn't there, but I always said when I hosted all that on-camera programming for kayfabe commentaries, that the worst thing I could have had in the room with all the wrestlers with which I worked was a lie detector because the shows would have been very boring. So I'm going with Shiki's story. Well, I'll go along with it too, Sean. One of the things I admired about the Sheik too, he was never really a babyface. He was a heel throughout his career, especially in the WWE and elsewhere or the WWF. And, uh, I think he got stabbed one time too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is what do you know about that? I'm sure a lot of the heels took um, a, a fair amount of legitimate abuse <laughs> from people in the public uh, taking liberties. A lot of stories about guys just ring sliced or pelted with batteries and cups of piss, and there's uh, there are a lot of stories like that. But the the irony is. If you're a heel and you're getting that reaction, you're psyched <laughs> because you're doing your job. Yeah. Without a heel, there is no baby face that anyone cares about. So without the chic, the the pop Hogan got would have been far less significant. 100%. I when, yeah. I mean, I remember when Roddy Piper was on our show um, on a, an edition of uh, Timeline, the history of WWE, and... In the introduction, I introduced him as someone who probably should have gotten credit for the boom of of wrestling in the 80s as much as anyone with bleach blonde hair that was in the ring with him. Because if people weren't filling the arena to watch Hogan shut Piper's mouth, it would have been a draw. No, No, I I agree. No, I agree. And, you know, like you said, he did it to a T. And, you know, the matches he had with Sergeant Slaughter and the whole bit, and... uh, he was definitely recognizable, and I agree with you. He definitely helped with the boon of wrestling back in the 1980s. His The stories of, of the Sheik, of Khosro Vaziri, the outside-the-ring stories far surpass yeah. Yeah. any of the wonderful things he did in the ring. And you don't have to go far on YouTube to find stories about the Sheik. He's told them on our 
televised uh, our, our, our taped programming for years. Uh, I just watched the other day. I was going through some because we wanted to play something as a tribute on uh, Click This, the Kevin Nash podcast. And um, we came across one where he confirmed a story that when he would snort rails of cocaine in the hotel room after the matches, the boys would pop when Shiki would do a headstand and do the lines on his hands with his feet in the air. And when I asked him, he, he said, uh, no more, uh, but uh, back then, yes. <laughs> Wanted to make it clear that age 70, he wasn't going up on his head to, to, to snort. Yeah, I loved the your story that you shared on uh, the Click This about the time you guys went to, uh, I don't know if it was a breakfast or something, and he crumbled up the check and put it in his pocket. That was really good. We had just done the Howard Stern show because we, uh, we produced a roast uh, the roast of the Iron Sheik. Roasts were getting very big in the in the early 2000s. There, the Comedy Central roast, and I thought, well, what better characters to put in this situation than wrestlers? The wrestling ring roasts was the series, so we did the first one with the Iron Sheik. And after the DVD came out, we went up to Stern and and, and went on the air and, and plugged it. And so afterwards, we go to breakfast at the Four Star Diner in Union City, New Jersey, and <clears throat> we sit down. We're eating. And everyone, the Sheik is very recognizable. So, you know, he's waving. People would come over, kids, he'd sign a picture and hand it. And the waitress brings the check. Now, I take out my card because I'm prepared. This is my DVD. So, you know, of course, I'm going to cover the bill. So it's me, him, and uh, Sheiky's manager, Eric Sims. And he takes the check and he crumbles it and puts it in his pocket. I said, well, I mean, cause they're going to write you another check. I mean, there's Columbo doesn't have to solve this mystery when the check isn't here that, you know, so he, he said, no, 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 Baba, don't worry, Baba, don't worry, Baba. So we go to leave. He stands. I'm still concerned that there's no check because I'm, you know, I'm not in the wrestling world. I don't realize what's going on now. So I'm like, oh, there's no check. I'm going to get to the counter. We're, it's a diner. We're walking to the counter. I'm going to have to pay something. They can't make up an arbitrary figure. I need the check. Or she's got to write another check. So this is all internal. Shiki's walking through. Everyone's clapping as he leaves. He goes up to the owner who's standing at the register. He embraces the owner. With the other hand, he pushes me through the double doors Then turns, waves to everybody, walks out. Eric Sims has the car idling at the curb. This has clearly been done before. We get in. He peels off. It's silent for about a minute and a half, at which point Shiki says, breakfast good for price. <laughs> and good for price became a uh, definitely a an on-set reference for years to come. We're joined by Sean Oliver, host of the Click This podcast. On YouTube, uh, I highly recommend you watch it uh, with Kevin Nash. A lot of great stories from the 90s, uh, even the 2000s. And I also invite you to check out his website, uh, SeanOliverBooks.com. He's got a great book coming out July 25th. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Todd is God. It's about ECW. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about working with Kevin. I've watched some of the videos. They're very fascinating. From him was, you know, you guys touched on it in one of your shows about the greatest of all time wrestlers. And he said, if you're alive from that there being the 90s or the 80s, you're a legend. 
because of um, because of the their the road living and and oh. the lifestyle. And these guys were <clears throat> were working three hundred dates a year, and you know not a, not in cities around their house. I mean, it's Los Angeles to Michigan to Minnesota to they're covering the United States and and the globe really. They did tours overseas as well. Um, there is no off season for professional wrestling. Um, a twenty minute or thirty minute match, which would not have been uncommon for somebody in the main event status, um, is grueling. No one, no one thinks that a pro wrestling match is only uh, one way to fall off a top turnbuckle and onto the ring which is falling off the top turnbuckle and onto the goddamn ring. So the abuse that their bodies take and the injuries are, are, are legitimate. I mean, the only thing fake about wrestling are the results. Um, you can pull as many punches as you want, but grappling with somebody for that amount of time and taking, taking strikes and, and uh, uh, impact moves destroys the body. And it blows them up terribly in the ring. They're totally gassed, and it bangs them up terribly. Now, after that, you'll get a few nights sleep at the hotel room, and then you're on a plane. Some of the uh, Kevin is, you know, six eleven or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know, how are you comfortably going to fly? So the day after that, you're enduring that. off season it's it's constant all the time if you're working at the top of the card like that even if you're working at the middle of the card it was constant also but um you were in demand so you were you were every time there was a tv taping you had to be on and every time there were smaller spot shows around the country they wanted to see the stars so you had to be there too you know well another thing that uh caught my attention watching the episodes you guys were talking about rick flair's last match and how he did not want to see it he didn't want to watch it, and it just uh, he kind of wanted to, to remember what it was like back in the day. Justin, you know, and I know, I know he said he didn't want it to happen, the match, and he also was fresh off of Scott Hall. And that conversation you had with him about Rick's last match was uh, very, very riveting to me, you know. Rick's last match uh, was, no one would argue that it was years after, he had his first last match against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, yeah, yes. which was an entertaining last match mm-hmm. and significant. And um, it listen, Rick was one of the biggest names in wrestling, and it's hard to get off that stage. Um, Don Rickles c- could could waddle out and do jokes into his eighties. You can't if it's professional wrestling that you're talking about. So there comes a time where you have to bid farewell to that stage as a performer. Rick was great on the microphone, as great on the microphone as he as he was in the ring, maybe even better, um, as a draw. And, <clears throat> and it's hard to say goodbye. So um, for that final payday, you know, we, we, all, we all need money. And... Uh, we all probably would enjoy the accolades that Rick got that night and in the days leading up to it. And 
the big promoted event and the roast of Rick and all these things. And it's, it's addictive. It's addictive. And it, and maybe it overtakes uh, the logic that maybe one should have that, God damn, I'm not going to wrestle again if I can't pull off something entertaining. Um, but he did. And um, I sure, I, I heard criticism of it. But I also heard people who didn't get to see Ric Flair ever who got to go see Ric mm -hmm. Flair. Certainly a reduced version thereof. But they got their chance to see Rick in person. So maybe it was valid just for that. Who the hell am I to judge? Well, I haven't been in a ring in my life. I mean, they're going to have to drag me out of a press box doing play-by-play -play for football when I'm 90, if I'm lucky enough to be there. And I'm sure you're in the same situation with uh, with your books, you know, with your shows, writing your books and doing your shows. It's what you love to do, you know? And so when you find, I always said that, that creativity and the, and the need to create is not something you do, it's something you are. It is, um, it is your oxygen. And so I do need to create. So if it's not working on uh, a book or, of course, the podcast has its share of creativity in between reading ads for dick pills, we can have some creativity. Um, we uh, uh, writing a screenplay with my friend Rick. Uh, you've got to do. You've you've got to stay in it, and um, it becomes it becomes not even so much a matter of choice. Your the desire to create is uh, is a lifeblood, and and not a pastime. Shot. Sean, when you started following wrestling, like you mentioned, when you went to the house shows and everything, what was the first dose of all glitz and glory, if you will? When did I know it was fake? Well, you mean, or? well like the true business side of it. It's not all glamour. You know, you know what I mean. I would enjoy, when I was a kid, before the matches, if the matches started at eight o'clock or seven thirty, I'd whoever was taking us, me and my friends, I'd ask to be taken there at like five thirty or six, so I could stand at the entrance ramp of the arena mm -hmm. and see the wrestlers come in. Uh, there were some that drove down into the arena, but then when it would get full, they'd have to park out in the lot and walk through us to get in. So. <clears throat> That was by far my favorite part of the night. There were times I didn't have tickets to the matches, but I asked my father to drive us out there for two hours just so we could stand outside before they started, so I could see them come in as people, right? See uh, Pedro Morales having a hard time getting the, the uh, emergency brake to stick, or uh, when no one's around and Cowboy Bob Orton is coming in and I'm asking for an autograph and he's trying to ignore me and I my wise ass little 12 year old self goes bob nobody's here come on nobody's gonna see it. and he stops and he laughs and he takes it and he signs it did he have, he have his, his cast? cast did he did he have his cast on outside <laughs> oh that's that's a really good question that's a really good question he did have a rolex on though which which i took notice of um so i loved that just to see the the human the, the humanity in these guys uh, when they were away from the ring. 
and I'm trying to think of some other some other events like that outside. Um, when uh, oh, here's one. Uh, uh, Corporal Kirshner, the uh, mm-hmm. he was he was going to be kind of like an offshoot of Sergeant Slaughter when Slaughter wasn't working there anymore. Carried the USA and the Army fatigues, and he was of course feuding with the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. So he pulls up in his rental car, and he's waiting for the the um, lot attendant to open the gate so he can drive down under the arena and park. There's somebody in the passenger seat with him with a towel over his head. Com- so he's completely hidden. He's just got a towel over the head. But he has a very distinct uh, teal turquoise shirt on. So they drive down. I, no, everyone's looking. We can't see who it is. Half hour later, the Iron Sheik in a teal turquoise shirt comes up to tell the guard he's waiting for a friend and if the friend shows up please send him down waves to the fans and goes and i said that was it sheik was in the car they're fighting tonight he was in the car with corporal kirchner so seeing all those little moments like that were very fun not quite not probably quite as bad as when he got busted with hacksaw jim jim duggan for crack right around that time yeah i talked uh with both him and hacksaw in, in a separate show about that famous stop on the uh, uh, New Jersey Parkway where uh, they were, uh, I think they were spotted for dr- maybe drinking a beer. Um, Sheik did that straight through. I mean, when I was in the car with him going over to Stern, they, you know, he's got the beers going. But uh, he wasn't driving, to make mm-hmm. it clear, but it's, it's still illegal. So anyway, the red flag, <laughs> uh, cops pull him over. Um uh, they go through the, the luggage in the back and they find some coke and some weed. And um, what what Vince McMahon was most upset about, of course, there's the arrest. But then there's the two combatants that were feuding, um, which is money. You know, keeping that illusion alive is money. They get arrested together. Further uh, drawing back the curtain. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah, I can remember. Yeah, all I can remember was I was that I was at a game. The Pistons were playing the Bulls. Ric Flair and J.J. Dillon sitting together back in the day, like you mentioned, pulling back the curtain where the villains and the heels, they all had to sit together and uh, go everywhere together. Um, prior to the 80s, when when the entertainment side of things started to become a little more obvious to us, um I still can't believe there was a time when it wasn't, when people sat there and believed it, but but there was. And in those times, 70s, 60s, you had two separate dressing rooms. You know, you had your heel and your, your baby face dressing room. And your referee or your promoter or booker were the ones who carried the messages back and forth as to who was going to win said match in uh, a certain amount of time and how it was going to happen. The wrestlers didn't talk to themselves because they were... Uh, it was a strict edict, you know, punishable by being fired if they were ever seen out in the world together, ruining that illusion, therefore putting at risk all the money that that illusion guaranteed. We're joined for a few more moments by Sean Oliver. Uh, he's the host of the Click This podcast on YouTube. I highly recommend you watch it out. Check it out. Great interviews with Kevin Nash, great stories. And also check out his website, SeanOliverBooks.com. Sean, I want to kind of promote your book. I can't wait to get it. Uh, Todd is God. 
It's basically the story of ECW. I know you don't want to talk a whole lot about it because you want us to get the book. You want us to read it, but it sure looks like a great collaboration. It was. It was one that started uh, about six years ago when Todd wanted to do an autobiography and I was going to co-write it with him. And uh, he had to back out of it. Um, and I then kept writing it. it would, they, I wrote my first book, Kayfabe, at that time. Because <laughs> the absence, I was, I was planning to write. I was jazzed to write and I was ready to go. And with his story at the time, I just started writing. So after doing that and putting out six books and... Uh, Todd finally came around and said, I'm, I'm ready now. I'm ready to tell my story, how I started ECW and how I lost ECW, which is as intriguing as the part where he started it. And they were very much the band of vagabond rebels, none of them earmarked to be stars in WCW or WWE, um, local stars at best, very talented ones, many of them, some of them just natural characters, and that was enough uh, to get them by. But Todd's um, ability to identify talent, use people um, as as their, uh, as much of themselves, draw much of themselves out of it, and not so much just character, and then the, the locale, it was the perfect storm, it was the right time for it, professional wrestling in WWE had gotten really goofy character very charactery hockey players and pig farmers and and here come these guys out of South Philly to grunge music and hip hop and you know putting themselves through five flaming tables and using base, baseball bats wrapped with barbed wire and so for a kid who's uh I'm saying a kid, but someone who's in college yeah. or 19, you know, and their favorite band is Alice in Chains or something like that. This product comes along and Rob Zombie's uh, intro, it spoke to a whole market that Vince and whoever was in charge in WCW, it was like a revolving door yeah. um, at the time, could not identify. And that was the answer. And that ignited the flame in the 90s. And then eventually WWE jumped on board and their stuff got real edgy and sexual and they called their uh, phase the Attitude Era mm -hmm. after adopting much of what ECW was doing. So it was a movement. The fans were dismantled in arenas when a table is slid from under the ring and set up for somebody to be put through or someone's bleeding excessively, the chant of ECW rings out and the chant of Todd is God used to ring out because the fans of ECW were smart enough to know who brought that there. And Todd partnered with uh, his booker, uh, uh, Paul Heyman, uh, to, to further the product. And it was, it was just, it was the right time. It was the right product. It was the right group of guys. It was the right city. Everything worked. And ECW, though it was really only in its purest form here for about seven or eight years, it made such a splash that it's talked about today and its impact cannot be ignored or denied. And Todd as God shows you how all that came to be and how all of it was lost. How are Sean, how are we going to be able to get a copy of the book when it comes out on July 25th? And you can go to any of your favorite... Uh, uh, outlets 
from Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, Walmart, uh, or your favorite local bookstore and make sure that you are pre-ordered to get it on uh, July 25th when it comes out. I am going to send a few free chapters out next month. Um, if anyone would like to sign up for my mailing list at seanoliverbooks.com, just scroll down, put your email address there, and I'll get you a couple of chapters. If you're not sold on it yet, you will be after you read a couple of chapters uh, next month. Sean, what do you think of pro wrestling today uh, as opposed to 20 or 30 years ago? I know it's a different animal. There's AEW. There's more high-risk spots than ever before. What do you think about it? What are your feelings about it? You do have more high-risk spots, and and I I would venture to say that as an average, the guy, the roster now is more athletic than the roster was in 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, look no further than maybe the Samoans or King Kong Bundy uh, to confirm that. But um, but in trading that athleticism, what it cost them was believability and the emotional investment in the storyline um nobody believes anything anymore the the crowd noise is a reaction to spectacle like you might give at the circus or at Cirque du Soleil it is not the crowd noise you would hear at a Tyson Holyfield fight um in the 90s which is what it used to be Um, back in the 70s, 60s, and before. Well, Sean, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking time out to be with us. I enjoy all your work you do. Keep it up. Keep up the great work. And I look forward to talking to you possibly again down the road. I'm going to say something I never thought I'd say. Thank you, Captain Lou. It's been fun spending time with you. (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, that, of course, is uh, Sean Oliver, seanoliverbooks.com. He is the host of the Click This podcast with uh, Kevin Nash. Check it out on YouTube. I highly recommend that, as I mentioned on the show or on the interview. They've got some great insight. If you like pro wrestling, if you're a historian, if you like the history of it back in the 80s and the 90s, even today, Kevin doesn't hold any punches, and he's very, very uh, – even keeled about it and he you know he tells a lot of great stories and sean is a great storyteller teller as well uh he's been around the business a long time as uh, you could see great uh stories about the iron sheik and again rick flair's rat last match uh really really uh blessed to be able to have uh sean with us on the show if there's a part of the uh, interview you missed again it's available on our youtube channel which is the captain lou sports network um, and also, we will have this downloaded on podcast form in a couple of hours this afternoon. So uh, I invite you to take a listen back to that and any of our other shows that we've got on podcast form, wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, you name it. That is uh, the Captain Lou Extravaganza. So thank you to Sean Oliver for taking time out to be with us. A great interview with him. Really, really enjoyed it. Well, um, that's going to do it for our show here today. Next week, again, we'll, on Wednesday. We'll be back with another Pro Wrestling Wednesday show. We'll preview the upcoming Money in the Bank pay-per-view. We'll go over all the goings-on in AEW. Uh, We'll preview next Wednesday's show. I know they've got a lot uh, in store on the AEW with Collision and all of that. But the big pay-per-view coming up, Money in the Bank, coming up on July 1st. It's in England, so it's a Saturday 
afternoon show here in the States. Hopefully we'll have a guest lined up for next Wednesday. We can preview Money in the Bank and talk all about that. So again, a reminder that uh, today's show is powered up by Belly Up Sports. Check out our website, bellyupsports.com. Complete list of all of our podcasts. we got so many great shows on our network right now, and it's going to get even bigger and better than ever as the year rolls on. Bellyupsports.com and also all of our great articles that we've got on the uh, website, in, including uh, announcements of the NHL uh, Hall of Fame, the latest class of the Hall of Fame. It'll be announced this afternoon. So uh, will you be able to keep up with that? And, of course, previewing and going over the NBA draft, which is going to be tomorrow. We'll see if there's any big trades there as well. So make sure you check out uh, bellyupsports.com, our complete list of uh, sports writers. They do just a tremendous job. Our show, again, brought to you today by MahlerBros.com. If you look good, you'll feel good. You feel good, you'll play good. So get yourself looking good and feeling good on the golf course. Check out MahlerBros.com, our complete uh, lineup of T-shirts, <clears throat> polo shirts, um, sleek designs, loud or conservative. If you're a little more conservative approach on the golf course, probably because of my golf swing, but They've got a great, it, the shirts look amazing. And when you're there on the website, make sure you use the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off of your purchase. That is MahlerBros.com. And also our show brought to you today by Javi Coffee. It is uh, the next greatest thing in instant coffee. It's easier to use than pods. Tastes better than gourmet. A couple of teaspoons or a tablespoon, however much you want. You can have it hot or cold. If or those of you that like uh, iced coffee, We've got uh, regular and decaf, also French vanilla, salted caramel, a lot of great flavors. When you're on the website, make sure you use the promo code Captain Lou at checkout. You'll get 15% off your purchase. That is javicoffee.com. All right, well, thanks for joining us here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza on this Pro Wrestling Wednesday. Thanks again to Sean Oliver, the host of the Click This Podcast, and uh, make sure you check out his website. SeanOliverBooks.com, his latest book, Todd is God, all about ECW, will be available July 25th. Pre-order it through uh, all your retailers that you get uh, your uh, books, but make sure you check out SeanOliverBooks.com as he's got uh, his list of his books, uh, a lot of great pro wrestling books and others that he has written. He's a uh, New York Times bestseller, and we were uh, blessed and honored to have him on our show today as well. All right, everybody, join us on Friday. It's going to be a free-for-all Friday here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza. All right, we'll see you then. And uh, make sure you keep your heads up, you keep your sticks down, you keep your feet moving, and as always, keep your minds open. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you Friday on the Captain Lou Extravaganza on the Captain Lou Sports Network. So long.